This podcast is a quest for well-being, a quest for a meaningful life through the exploration of fundamental truths, enlightening ideas, insights on physical, mental, and spiritual health. The inspiration is love. The aspiration is to awaken new ways of thinking that can lead us to a new way of being, being well. Welcome to Body, Mind, and Soul Healing Conversations. Valeria interviews Ron Papalardo, the author of Messages from God, 21st Century Prophets Speak for a New Age. Ron Papalardo is a writer, author, publisher, public speaker, teacher, and medium who lives in Cary, North Carolina. But the word that describes him the best is mystic. Mystic is not a simple word to explain. The dictionary defines a mystic as a person who achieves mystical experience or an apprehension of divine mysteries, but that doesn't really give us a clear understanding of what the word really entails. A mystic is one who discovers truth not by studying it, but by experiencing it. A mystic is not so much interested in believing, but knowing. When the famous psychologist Carl Jung was asked by a BBC interviewer if he believed in God, Jung replied, I don't need to believe, I know. When Ron lost his teenage son to suicide in 2003, it launched him onto a path that led to a profound growth in his own mystical experiences and abilities, and the learning of various techniques for triggering them. The joyful ecstasies he has experienced through the mystic path have motivated him to share this experience with anyone who is interested in learning about it. He is not just interested in telling you about his experiences. He is much more interested in guiding you in ways that can lead you to your own mystical experience. Ron works one-on-one -on -one and in group settings to teach people how to have a mystical experience. Experiences such as these are always life-transforming events, and that new transformation is always for the benefit of each person that has one. Ron is the author of four books. He lives in Cary, North Carolina with his wife, artist Constance Papalardo. Meet Ron at ronpapalardo.com. Here is the interview with Ron Papalardo. In your own words, who is Ron Papalardo? Well, if I was going to define myself uh, in one word, I, was, I would use the word mystic. Um, and uh, the reason I would use that word is because a, a mystic is a person who experiences the divine or God as opposed to just uh, studying about God like a theologian or a philosopher. That sounds really good to me. I read your biography and that kind of caught my attention, uh, the distinction. Talk to me about being a mystic and why did you choose and why do you still choose to have mystical experiences? Well, uh, I'm a lot like you, Valeria. I, I read your bio and I noticed that, you know, from an er early age, you were trying to find out what, what is it that truly makes for happiness. And um, I decided that to be happy, you have to have love in your life. And uh, in order to have love in your life, you have to have a relationship with somebody. And I wanted to have a relationship with God because I felt that uh, God was the ultimate source of true love. And so that's what drove me to want to uh, become a mystic. Uh, what, who, and where is God to you? Wow. Uh, that's how to, how to answer that in a short, succinct way is, is difficult. I would just simply say that uh, God is the other. Uh, God, as you mentioned, is the source, the creator the one that created me. Uh, God is my father and, and my mother. God is the one from whom I draw my very being. And where God is, is God is within me and as well as being around me 
and beyond me all at the same time, uh, omnipresent. But the key point is that God is is within us, that each one of us is a spark of the divine, and uh, we can manifest God's nature in our daily lives. Talk to me for a moment about God's nature. What does it look like or feel like, or how does this nature manifests in the world? Well, um, God looks like you. God looks like you. Uh, God looks like me. You know, there's a term from uh, the Bible says, I'm created in the image and likeness of God. And, you know, and Jesus said, uh, if you see me, you see the Father. So God doesn't have a physical form, you know, a physical body. But in a sense, we are his physical body and he can manifest uh, through us. So when I see a human being, I see the face of God, God looking back at me. And then the, the, the really key question is, well, why do we exist? And to me, the answer in one word is, is because of love. Uh, lo love cannot exist in a vacuum and love cannot exist alone. You know, there has to be someone in, who's giving the love and someone who's receiving the love. So in a sense, I, I feel like God had a problem in the beginning because he, he needed to create uh, in order to realize this dream, this ideal, this poetic vision of true love. And so we were created so that we could have this kind of intimate love relationship with God. Why some people don't hear the voice of God, as you say, or the messages of God? Why do they choose not to listen to God? You know, I think I think the number one problem, Valeria, is that people, uh, they don't believe in themselves enough. Like um, the problem of lack of self-esteem. Like if a person doesn't have a very high uh, self-worth, you know, that they think they have value, then they actually will block out the experience of God. I, I was leading a I was leading a meditation uh, exercise that's designed to um, to trigger an experience with God. And this woman, this was in Italy a couple of years ago, and this woman she, during the meditation, God came to her. <laughs> God was approaching, and she was very excited because they were going they were going to embrace. And then just before he was to, going to embrace her she shut down the experience and she was so up, she was so upset and she came to me afterwards and said well, why did i do that why here was god coming to give me a hug and i blocked it why did i do that and i told her i want you to get get still for a moment and close your eyes and she closed her eyes said put your hand on your heart now ask your heart why you did that and it will tell you and she did, and immediately she popped open her eyes and said, I know, I know why. And I said, well, what's the answer? She said, because I didn't think I deserved it. I didn't think I was worthy to receive it. And that's the number one block that I run into. Yeah, I often ask people the question about unconditional love. Do you love yourself unconditionally? And so many people pause. Yeah to answer that question. Rarely I get the answer, yes, you're, <laughs> fast. Yes, yes. You're exactly right, yes. That's the number one problem right there. So that's why you're um, in this uh, tremendous work that you're doing, Valeria, you're blessing so many people, you know, by getting them to realize that you must love yourself. You know, uh, many people have, have an easier time giving love to others than, receive, than receiving love for, uh, from others. Would you say that, I think you mentioned before, this idea of not deserving because they have perhaps negative thoughts and who knows, behavior and actions, that they are not in alignment uh, in their own minds, that, that that's not in alignment with God's world. And perhaps this is a question for you too. How do we learn to accept ourselves entirely without any judgment? Well, the shortest way, the quickest way is to have a direct encounter with God, because uh, if you have, and that's why I call myself a mystic. And, and by the way, I believe anybody can be a mystic. There's nothing special about me. 
So if I can find a way, you know, whether it's through meditation, uh, through journaling, through prayer, whatever it is, if I can find a way to have a meeting with God and really ask God, how do you see me? How do you feel about me? I guarantee you the answer will be, I love you unconditionally. And when we experience that, we get healed and we get empowered. So that's the number one thing. That's why I'm so passionate about leading people into that experience, because it's a transformative experience. And it happens immediately. It's like instantaneously. If I know I'm loved, I can handle anything. What makes us open the heart to these experiences or this meeting with God? Would you say suffering? Yes, the, yes, suffering. And there are, there are several uh, blocks that can keep us from having that direct encounter with God. And I, so I mentioned the one about having low self-esteem. The Another one, and this may, uh, may surprise you, uh, another key one is holding a grudge, having, a, having an unforgiving heart. So, so if I have a, if if I'm holding a grudge like from my child and I, I'm still angry at my mother for being overbearing, and I I have to for, I have to go through the process of forgiveness because the you know you know your heart is like a glass of water it's like a glass and you if it's filled up with poison then God cannot pour in that beautiful crystal clear unconditional love. So through forgiveness, we pour out the poison in our heart and we open our heart becomes now able to receive that unconditional love. So forgiveness is a key thing. And, and guess and guess who the hardest person to forgive is? Mm, ourselves. <laughs> yes, ourselves. Of course. You know, yeah, I don't know if you know this, Valeria, but I lost uh, my 17-year-old son uh, to suicide. Um, and... And I went through, as you can imagine, a pretty traumatic uh, course of healing. And I could not heal until I forgave myself. That was the key. Because I, I could forgive everybody else, but I couldn't forgive myself. Is forgiveness a process or it's one moment of understanding? You know, that's such an excellent question. And I would say it's both. Because when you forgive... The benefit is immediate. You immediately shift your energy from negative to positive. Having said that, you will find that sometimes it's necessary to revisit that forgiveness on a deeper level. So, for example, when I was in my 20s, I forgave my dad uh, for the resentment that I had against him for you know the way I was treated in childhood. And I thought I was I was done. But then I discovered years later that I was still holding on uh, to, so, to some deep-seated resentment towards my dad, which I was able to process by doing a meditation on forgiveness. And, uh, and that led it to a much deeper uh, cleansing, a much deeper level. So yes, you can have an immediate, immediate wonderful benefit to forgiveness, uh, but then also you may have to go through a deeper process uh, over time. Yeah, it depends. We're all different. Yep, that's true. Do you believe in being healed from grief? Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, you can imagine what I went through as a father uh, to lose my firstborn son. But uh, those who know me well, they would never suspect that I have any grief over that. And and the, re the reason for that, a large, to a large degree, is uh, you may know from my bio that I'm also a, a medium. Uh, you know, I, I have the ability to communicate with with people on the other side, and through through communication with my son. The key point was my son telling to me that he held no resentment towards me, and that he was proud of me as his father. When he when he told me that, I was completely liberated. And also, the second point is because. Because I was able to communicate with him on the other side, I know he's okay. And because I know he's okay, then I'm not grieving anymore. You know, I, I, to me, he's in a better place than he was when he was here. So 
Therefore, the grief has been healed. And um, do you teach other parents who have been through the same situation to become mediums? Oh, yeah, quite a bit. That's one of the number one things I, I do. I get a lot of parents uh, who've lo also lost a child to suicide contacting me. So, yeah. Yeah, most people are afraid. I noticed that. They don't want to know. They don't want to be in touch with the other side, let's say. Why do we block? Why do we choose not to know more the depth of our own selves? Yeah, well, you're absolutely right. It's not only the fear to be in communication with those on the other side, but even fear to experience God. Uh, and again, but again, it's come down to one word. It's fear, uh, fear of judgment, for example. Um, so unfortunately, sometimes traditional religion, and this sounds contradictory, but sometimes tra traditional religious indoctrination can actually block a person from experiencing God. What is spirituality to you and how is religion different from spirituality? Oh my goodness, that's such an excellent question. So um, currently I'm, a, I'm actually uh, very close to getting uh, my master's degree in religious education. So we've been studying this quite a bit. So more than 25% of Americans define themselves as, uh, we call them SBNRs, spiritual but not religious. Mm, right. And if I could really encapsulate what that means is, it simply means that most people are not interested in like the traditional go to church on Sunday, hear somebody preach to them, or read books about religion. That's not what they're interested in. What they are, they're more, they would be more interested in like going to a workshop where they could actually learn techniques so that they can have a direct spiritual experience or to, you know, to really grow spiritually. So people, um, and, and, and again, what that, what is that? That's, that's what it means to be the mystic. So it's to, it's still, it's to go beyond belief into actual experience. So people are really longing for experiential spirituality. So that's what, that's what spirituality means to me. It's actually experiential as to pose, as opposed to being like just studying the Bible or just reading books, you know, that kind of thing. What lessons have you learned from losing your son? What do you think the lesson is for most of us who have lost loved ones? Well, it's important. The thing that I learned is that there is no death, that there is no death. There's a there's a transition uh, to me. Uh, you know, death is just as natural as when, a, you know, a caterpillar has to die to become a butterfly. So it makes a cocoon and then this, the butterfly emerges and that butterfly has a much, much more wide experience of reality and life than the caterpillar does because it can fly around and so on. So the, the death is not, there is no death. There's just simply a transition from the physical plane to the spiritual plane. And we all, we all have an immortal soul. We have an immortal, we have a spiritual person inside of us and and that goes on into the spiritual world so if you know that then you no longer fear death so the fear of death will pass away uh, once you know that this uh, physical plane is just naturally a temporary place why do so many of us take so long really to understand that to learn that lesson to come back and appreciate what we still have enough focus so much on the loss. Why does it take so long for some people? Well, um, I hate to say it, but it takes, it takes a tremendous amount of honesty and courage to go beyond the grief. Because you have to be absolutely honest with yourself and honest with your feelings and, you know, and don't suppress it. And, uh, and, in my view, it's important to share exactly how you feel uh, with God or with the higher power, whatever you want to call it. So I recommend that, that people write letters to God. You know, and, it, and in that, I call it journaling with God. In, the, in that writing, you, you write down exactly how you feel. 
and probably there'll be some curse words in there and that's totally fine and you can you can be angry you know you can be upset and you write it all down you tell god exactly how you feel and once you pour your heart out you just become quiet for a moment become still and ask this question god is there anything you want to say to me right now and if you take the time to do that you'll get an answer it may be just um three words or you know just like usually the first thing you hear is i love you that's the thing you will hear first usually i love you and then when you hear that you go oh my god i had no idea i had no idea you loved me you know and then and if you take the time you can get a message that will calm your heart and satisfy you and then you can start to let go of that grief but it takes total honesty total honesty and to be courageous to face how you really feel it sounds freeing to me oh it is to do that it's a true liberation yeah at this time what do you think is the world's greatest need <sighs> wow well it's it's just that it's to it's to be still you know there's i like a verse in the bible it says be still and know that i am god it's that simple to find uh to to you know you have to if you have a very busy hectic life you have to um what i call it making an appointment with yourself so it's like it's like if you and i were going to meet the pope tomorrow if we were scheduled to meet the pope at 3 p.m. tomorrow I guarantee you we'd be on time. You know what I'm saying? Because of our respect for the pope. But sometimes we make an appointment with ourselves and we break the appointment. So you have to say, "Okay, every Thursday evening at 6 p.m., I'm going to go into my office or my bedroom and I'm going to be absolutely quiet and this is time for me and my spiritual growth." You know, so and practicing either meditation or reading some book or journal I talked about journaling with God some type of practice where you can spend time in the stillness so that you can get still enough to to listen to the voice of God you know so that's what we need yeah that's what we need uh, we all need to we need to make a commitment to take time every week i'm not going to say every day because you know what people won't they'll get so intimidated they won't do it Well, say even if you can just do it once a week, make an a solid appointment with yourself, and then respect yourself enough to keep your appointment. But this is my time to be alone, to focus on the spiritual, and that's what the world needs right now. I love that the commitment to deeper understanding, right? To peace, really, inner peace. Do you have a vision for a new reality? Yeah, I do. I do because I think what's going on Valeria and, and you are definitely a a part of this process and I'm really grateful to you for the work that you do. And that is we're step by step raising the awareness and the spiritual vibration of of individuals all over the place here and there. And I think that what's going to happen is as more and more people make that spiritual progress it actually has an effect even on the people who are not making progress so we're we're raising the spiritual vibration of the whole planet and when it reaches a certain critical point i think there will be a shift okay and and then just you know just the whole spiritual atmosphere of the earth will become higher and people will be more peaceful they'll be more compassionate and more loving and a lot of these problems literally will melt away just like the snow melts in the spring you know when the sun comes out oh, yeah. it's the sun when the sun comes out yeah. it's the snow it just melts you don't have yeah. to really you don't have to shovel anymore <laughs> it just melts and i think that's that's the future of the human race what is freedom to you what is to be free wow you know i think it's um the ability to be your true self to to just really be your honest self and uh to not feel guilty about it to not judge yourself uh that is freedom and to and to have um 
a relationship with this higher being, you know, whether, you, like I said, whether you call it God or the source, the higher self, whatever, if you, if you know that you're anchored in unconditional love and the love that, that God loves you, you love yourself and can accept yourself. I think that's freedom because you, then you're not full of doubt. You're not uh, second guessing yourself all the time. Just you're just acting out of that knowledge of knowing that you are loved, that you are a child of God. How did you become a writer, and what was the inspiration to write your book, Messages from God? 21st century prophets speak for a new age. Yeah, well, um, I used to be just in the corporate world, you know, just making a living uh, on a and a job and. Um, But oftentimes, uh, when I'd be just talking to clients and so on, spiritual subjects would, would come up. And when I mentioned uh, the experience I had with my son and spiritual communication and, you know, how much I was able to be healed and grow from that experience, this woman looked me dead in the eye and said, you have to write the, a book. <laughs> yeah. And I felt like I felt like God <laughs> talking right to me, and I couldn't escape it anymore. So that's why I wrote my first book, uh, which was called Reconciled by the Light. That's the one about how I I lost my son and how I healed from it. And then the messages from God is actually my third book. And the reason I wrote that one is because um, anyone who's familiar with Neil Donald Walsh knows that his whole experience was is that he could have a dialogue with God and actually get have a conversation with God and receive messages from God. So I want to take that a step further and and show that actually anybody can do that. Not just Neil Donald Walsh or the Pope or you know prophets and so on, but I believe we are all wired for divine communication. It's just kind of like a a computer is set up to access the internet, but it will never happen if you don't activate the connection. So all human beings are set up to have direct communication with God, but it won't happen unless we activate it. So the techniques I teach are designed to activate that connection. The introduction you sent to me says, it has been my experience that God speaks to each of us in a multitude of ways but we often don't recognize it. What are some ways to know for sure that God's trying to tell us something, show, sending the message? How do we know? Well, here's, here's one experience that I think almost everyone can relate to, because when I ask people in my workshops if they've ever had the experience, almost every hand goes up, and that is this. You're just uh, going through your day, and all of a sudden, a certain person pops into your mind and you and you haven't been you haven't talked to them in a long time you haven't been thinking about them but all of a sudden they're they pop into your mind really strongly and then the phone rings and there they are on the other end of the phone have you ever had that experience not exactly but i have had yeah. many many so many people yeah. have had that experience so that's like a we know from that that there is mo more going on than than meets than meets the eye So, um, yeah, so that's, uh, I'm sorry, I lost track of your question. What was your question? Yeah, the, how do we recognize the messages from oh, God? Yeah, okay, so there, um, there, are other, there are other ways I think that God tries to guide us in our, in our life, okay? Another way is sometimes we'll go to a bookstore and, or a library and a certain book catches our attention. You know, we're drawn to a certain book. And then we read that book and we go, oh, my God, this is just what I needed to read. So that's another one. Um, what are some of the others? Oh, gosh. Oh, sometimes uh, you may be struggling with a certain situation. And you go in your car and you turn on the radio and then a song plays and it sounds like it's playing just to you. Have you ever had that experience? Yes, yeah. for sure. That's, yeah. <laughs> so these are not yeah. coincidences. We, these are actual, actually, God is uh, finding ways to guide us and, and work with us. When the, when the woman looked in my eyes and said, you must write the book, 
she would <laughs> that was that was God talking. I have no doubt at all that God was speaking through her. So we, we God also speaks to us through each other. That's one of the, the more common ways. And then, of course, God speaks to us through our own intuition. Thrown into it. Oftentimes we will get inspirations, and then thus we will talk ourselves out of them. So yeah, so we get we get inspired to do something like, okay, I'm gonna take a new class or I'm gonna do this. And then five minutes later, we go, oh, I could never do that. And then we talk ourselves out of it. So that, that is also an attempt uh, by God to give guidance into our lives. But so, again, it's hard for us to, uh, to follow through. So those are some mm -hmm. examples. It goes back to trust, too. We've got to trust that voice that's very subtle and doesn't last long, is not persistent, is not trying to force anything on us. But it's always a loving something. That message has love in it. That's how I learned to recognize anything that has to do with love and harmony, peace. I know it's coming from that place. Yeah, you're right. At any time anybody taps into that, that the vibration of God, it's always loving, and you won't be, you won't be scared by it. You won't be so. You raise such an important point, the question of trust, okay? And I am and I am absolutely convinced that God is not expecting us to trust him 100% in the beginning. I'm sure of that. God is very, very patient, very, very kind. So what you can do is you can you can test you can test him out or you can test your intuition out. So if you get an inspiration to do something very small, like let's say you get you let's say you're a you're a, a, a man like me, I'm a very masculine guy, you know, and then I get the inspiration. Oh, you should take a watercolor painting class. Yeah, it's something that I would never <laughs> think to do. But right. this inspiration comes, then give it a chance. Give it a chance, because mm. I guarantee you. If you go ahead and sign up, sign up for that watercolor painting class, something incredibly wonderful is going to happen. That's going to really raise you up spiritually. Okay, so so that's an that's that's an uh, example of how we can we can test it. We you know, trust that inspiration. I mean, it's not going to hurt you, right? Trust it, and then if something really good happens, then you'll be more likely to trust the next thing that comes. Okay. And so you can build that trust. You know, God doesn't expect us to trust him uh, 100%, but he'll just say, well, will you just go for a walk with me? You know, I, that's all. Let's just walk together. There's a, uh, you know, the in Islam, there's a mystic tradition called Sufism. Sufism. And there's a saying where God speaks and he says, if you come to me, if you come close to me like six inches, I will come close to you one foot. And if you come and if you walk towards me, I will come running to you. In other words, he will make more effort in the relationship than you will, which is really beautiful. So if we just take one small step, then we we open up the potential for a deeper relationship over time. I noticed that you use the pronoun him, he. So from my understanding, God or the idea of God has no gender. Yeah, I'm wondering why you still refer to God as him. Yeah, um, I actually oftentimes, in fact, most of the time when I when I pray to God, I refer to God as Heavenly Mother because I because I'm at a time in my spirit. Actually, God appeared to me one time as a woman and said, um, actually, it was really funny, Valeria. I'll try to explain this because it's really cool. So God appeared to me, and there was a man and a woman sitting together in, in a chair. And the man didn't speak, but the woman spoke and said, Ron, I'm appearing to you as your heavenly mother. Says, but I want, I want you to understand, even though you see two here, I am only one. I'm only one. Okay. But I'm appearing, I'm appearing to you in the feminine form because it's what you need right now in your life. If you, I, I want you to relate to me as a heavenly mother because I'm going to heal you from certain wounds from your childhood. 
So from that time on, I started referring to her as Heavenly Mother. So the only reason I use him or her is just, I want to emphasize that God is personal, that there's actually a person. God has no, no specific gender, but God is a person. So if I call God it, it, it sounds like a thing. So I can't, you know, that's just my generation. You know, if I call it it, I'm just, it's a thing. So I don't, I, 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 when I was a, a teenager, I studied under one teacher who taught that God was uh, energy. Well, that, that's true. God is the energy, but you know, energy is not a person. And, and I can't, I can't, I can't feel love, you know, from an electrical current. <laughs> it, it can't hug that's me. Okay. So that's why I want to emphasize that God is a person. <laughs> Um, well, in physics, I think they say that we are energy. Well, we are. We are. Everything is energy. Everything right? is energy. But be, behind the energy is love. And, and, you know, love, you can't give somebody like eight ounces of love. It, it, you know, it doesn't work that way. It's, it's transcendent. You know, love is transcendent of uh, the time and space uh, continuum. So uh, I want to I want to emphasize that God, God, God manifests through energy, but behind that energy is this deep heart of love. Um, so that's the most important aspect. There's something else that you wrote that I found to be interesting. You said, it has been said that there is a fine line between being a mystic and being insane. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Why did you write this? Well, yeah, because, you know, you have to be, you have to use a, use a lot of wisdom. Um you know, uh, and and I want and I want to mention another word that's an important word to have in a spiritual toolkit, and that's humility. Humility, okay? Because if we don't have humility, if we haven't, if we haven't at some point surrendered to a higher power, and we think that we're the center of everything, then if we open up spiritually, we can become very egotistical, okay? And we can be we can be influenced in directions that are not uh, helpful and actually can lead to insanity. So that's why I mentioned that. You mentioned working with two other people. You call them modern day prophets, David and Rosalie. I think her name is. Yeah, talk to me about how you met them and what is to be a prophet. Yeah. Uh, to be a prophet uh, just means uh, a person who has that ability to listen and hear the voice of God. That, that's a prophet to me. So both of these, I qualify as prophets because of the messages that they've received. David Hose has written a book called Everyday God. And anybody who loves the Neil Donald Walsh books would love that book as well. So Everyday God. So it's it's about, I think, 20 different conversations that David has had with God on different subjects. And they're just really deep stuff, really illuminating. So that's why I, I wanted to include David in the book. Um, Ro Rosalie is, of course, a woman. And the, the reason why I wanted to have her in the book is because of the fact that she's a woman. So when she receives messages from God, it comes in in a different style than it comes through me or comes through David. So because she's a she's more in tune with that feminine aspect of the Godhead. So I really love, oh my gosh, it's so gentle and so kind and so compassionate, so healing and embracing, you know, this kind of, this kind of vibration. And I just really love that. So that's why I, I wanted her in the book. I think you said, uh, in my view, God is no exception to the fact that people value relationships with others as vital and essential part of their lives. That's another topic, might, might be another conversation, but perhaps I can formulate a question for you. How do we identify relationships that will help us to listen even closer to the voice of God? Oh boy, gosh, that's uh, that's such a vast subject. Um, you know, I'm more I'm more interested in the first of all. I've, um, 
and I lear learned this from Neil Donald Walsh. He, he says, uh, God, actually God tells him that the word present means pre-sent, pre-sent. -pre In other words, it was predetermined that you were going to meet this particular person. And so because I have that philosophy, I'm more interested in the people that I encounter that push my emotional buttons and, and upset me. <laughs> and the reason why That's I, cute. most of the people I meet, I meet too many nice people now. Everybody's nice. But, uh, but when, if I meet someone who pushes my emotional button, I'm so grateful because what they are is they're a mirror to show me what I need to change. So I think, so those kind of relationships are a gift so that I can see, oh my gosh, I need to change this about myself. I have three surviving children and so many times I see characteristics that they picked up from me that I don't like. <laughs> and I realize, oh my gosh, they got that from me. So I really need to change that about myself. So that, that's the thing I look forward to. Otherwise, I, you know, it's, my wife does the same work I do, and she does the uh, journaling with God and gets messages and so on. And actually, she... She co-wrote our fourth book, uh, Experiences with God. But um, she, um, yeah, she uh, also says that, you know, that people are a reflection of ourselves and guide us in ways that we need to grow. Do you think it's possible to navigate this reality without judgment? You know, my knee-jerk answer to that is yes. Um, if we really reflect on the... The fact that hu human beings are, you know, they're human beings. They were, they were created with, with uh, certain appetites that get them into trouble all the time. You know, but they, they didn't ask to have those appetites. They were just, you know, they came into this world. And, you know, God said uh, a really lovely thing through my wife. He said, you know, I just, look at, I just look at everyone as a beautiful person doing their best to get through this thing we call life. And he said, we can share and, and share the things we have all learned. Now, that is an extraordinary statement. If God is saying we can share the things we have all learned, he's he, she is implying that she is also learning, that God is also learning and growing as he interacts with the human race. There's actually a school of philosophy called uh, process philosophy. That was uh, originated with Alfred North Whitehead. And he said that, yeah, God is actually growing and developing as he interacts with human beings. So if that's the case, then we can be very, we can be very forgiving of the mistakes that we made, that, that we make, uh, and understand that people just do that, not really because they're, they're evil, but just because they're hurting or, you know, they're, or they're afraid, and, mm -hmm. and therefore we can have a more forgiving heart. So we're almost at the end. I have a few more questions for you. But before that, I would like to ask you a question about suicide prevention. Do you participate of any institution, organization about that? Or what do you think is the best way to prevent suicide in um, especially teenagers and young people? Yeah, I, I would recommend that people take a look at the teachings of Viktor Frankl. And Frankel is spelled F-R-A-N-K-L. And Viktor Frankl is a, a famous uh, psychiatrist who was very successful in preventing uh, teen suicides. And his, his basic, in a nutshell, he taught that people commit suicide because they exist in something he called an existential vacuum, which is just a fancy way of saying they don't know who the heck they are. They don't know who they are. And so he said that in, in order to prevent that, people have to find something of meaning in their lives. And he said you, you could do that in three ways. One is by uh, meeting someone that changes your life, doing a, doing a work like a career or some project that is meaningful, or assigning meaning to your suffering. If you do uh, one of those three things, you can get through anything. That's it in a nutshell. But really, there's a book called um, uh, Man's Search for Meaning. 
uh, by Viktor Frankl, which I recommend to people. How do you define success these days? What is to be successful? It's to be happy, don't you think? Mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah, I have, for sure. <laughs> I, made, I, I, made a, I made a magnet for my refrigerator. That I put the words, I choose to be happy. Because I think it's a choice. It's a, it's a mindset. I, I've lost track of, and you probably can relate to this, of so many people that you, that you meet that you realize they're unhappy because they continue to sabotage their own lives. Yeah? So happiness is a choice. I believe we create our own reality. And basically, with our thoughts, with our, our thinking. If we have negative thoughts, we're going to have a negative life. If we have positive thoughts, we're going to have a positive life. It's pretty much that simple. What was the hardest lesson to learn about yourself in life as of today? Oh, wow. I don't even know the answer to that question. What was the hardest lesson for me to learn about myself and life? Well, you know what? You know what? The hardest thing for me to accept about life was this. I had a showdown with God when I was 25 years old in the woods in upstate New York, and I was angry at God, and I yelled at God, and I, I said, this is before I had a relationship, right? I yelled at God. I said, I said, the way I see it, you are the one who's responsible for all the suffering of mankind, and uh, because I was raised Catholic, I expected that a lightning bolt would come out of the sky and vaporize me right on the spot, but that didn't happen. Instead, actually, the presence of God came. I felt unconditional love, and God said to me, you are right, and I accept responsibility for all the suffering of mankind, which blew me away. And then I said to God, I said, well, you're, you're unkind, you're uncaring, you're domineering, you know, otherwise you would end all the suffering. And then God said this to me, and I could not accept it at the time, Valeria. He said, those who suffer bring it upon themselves. It's the only hope for them to change. Whoa. I couldn't accept it. Uh, but now I see it all the time. But, but then I then he, I said one more one more thing. I said, well, what about those who are innocent and yet they suffer? Like, what about a child is being beaten by his own parents? And you know what happened when I asked God that? God began to cry. God, God began to weep and said to me, I can't stop that, which, which shocked me. He says, I can't stop that. But even in that situation, if that child could reach out to me, I could save that child. And he said, I can't stop that, Ron, but you can. You can stop that. Won't you help me? And then God started really weeping and said, please, please, won't you help me? Help me do that. And, and then I lost it. I started bawling. That was when I fell in love with God, because I really, re I felt, I felt the tremendous heart of love and compassion that God had for me and for everybody. It was a really transformative experience. I felt it now, just listening to you. Two more questions: If you knew you would die soon, meaning losing the body, would you make any change in your life or do anything differently? I don't know. I. I'm trying to do it now. Uh, like uh, uh, I just booked a, a hotel for October 27, 29th in the Blue Ridge Mountains because the colors are going to turn, you know, for the autumn colors. And uh, I'm so excited about that. And that's something that I've always wanted to do. So I'm trying to I'm trying to do it, trying to do it now. I'm not going to wait till I get diagnosed with terminal cancer or something like that. <laughs> I am glad you're doing the things you want to do, right? <laughs> They're good things. <laughs> yeah, and I'm taking my wife because my wife, uh, my wife and I have a very, very uh, loving and close relationship, and I just love being with her. And uh, what we like to do is we like to go to small, small historic towns and walk around and look at all the old buildings, and uh, you know we love history and we love architecture and art and things like that. So it's it's interesting. We're a really good match. So we, we, uh, and we were matched. <laughs> I, oh, wow. I didn't choose her. So it was, a, it was a really great matchmaker. So, uh, yeah, so I just spent a lot of time with my wife, a lot of time with my kids. 
I don't think I can change anything, frankly. Yeah, but the small things, right, Ron? Not yeah, the big things, know. right? Uh, you know, God told me recently, he says, um, God, Ron, you should spend a lot of time singing, a lot of time dancing, a lot of time being in joy. And he said, don't underestimate how powerful that is. If you live your life in joy, then it actually creates a portal for me to exude joy to everybody that you meet and everyone around you. So don't don't poo-poo the how powerful it is to live out of a out of a joyful heart. Thousand times to that. <laughs> yes. Uh, one more question. This is the my last question. What are three things about life you know for sure as of now? Oh, I know that love is the most important thing. It's all about love. You talked about success. Success has nothing to do with money or position in society or anything like that. It only has to do with love. That's why, that's why you know, Valeria, uh, in the United States today, there are over 11 million people who have had a near-death experience. You know, they actually went into the spiritual world and then they came back. And almost always their, their entire priorities in life shift instead of career and money and material things. They focus on love, relationships, and kindness and compassion. The total shift. So that's what I would say are the most important things in life. It has been a enlightening conversation in the sense of light. <laughs> Spiritually fun, as I usually say. Thank you for your wisdom, your beautiful presence, your message, your mission. Thank you so much, Ron. Thank you, Valeria. And thank you for the work you do. God bless you. Where can we find more information about you, your books, products, services, and future projects? RonPapalardo.com. All my books are on Amazon as well. Wonderful. Thank you, Ron. We'll talk soon. All right. God bless. Yeah. Bye for now. Bye-bye. Thank you for listening. To learn more about Ron Papalardo and his work, please visit RonPapalardo.com. To learn more about this podcast, please visit fitforjoy.org slash podcast. Thank you again for listening and bye for now.